The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to Foundational Missions Leadership Moment. Join your host, Scott McClelland of FX Missions, as he deep dives into the lives of leaders to glean secrets that will propel today's leaders to new heights. Here's Scott. Hi, Scott McClelland here for your FX Missions Leadership Moment. Thanks for being with us. We're excited today to have David Harwood with us on the program. David and I met a number of years ago. We might try to figure out how long ago it was as we're talking here, but it's good to have you on the program. David, greetings. Hi, Scott. Yeah, I figure it must be over 25 years ago. (laughs) That back when we were young men, right? I wasn't young then either. (laughs) I was middle-aged then. (laughs) Okay. Well, it's been quite a few. I think we met, I must have been in Connecticut. I made a trip to Connecticut, and I think that's where we met up. But you're you're not from Connecticut, if I remember right. You're from New York. That's right. And yes, we did meet in Connecticut, and I live uh, what's called on Long Island. That's part of the way in which we speak here. We live on the island. We don't live within the island. On Long Island. Yeah, I'm about... 25 miles east of Manhattan. Mm. Okay. Well, I've been to Long Island a few times over the years, so got a little familiarity with the way you're describing it. What city's close to where you live? Well, the city. (laughs) Right, but like what town or township is close to where you live? I live in uh, Nassau County. Okay. Um, the, there are two cities in Nassau County. One is Glen Cove. One is Long Beach. And we're, we're close to Glen Cove. That's where our ministry has been for, I guess, since 1976, 77. And, but we, being as it's really, maybe if it was, a city in the middle of rural America, it would be seen as being a city. But because we live less than 10 miles from New York City in the borough of Queens at 25 miles from Manhattan, we don't even really consider Glen Cove to be a city. The people in Glen Cove do, but mm. you know, it's difficult to take yourself seriously as a city when you have under 30,000 people and you're living in the doorsteps of New York City. So... <laughs> I could see how that would be the case. So do you hail from New York originally? Yeah, yeah. I was born in Manhattan, and my childhood was in Queens, which is one of the boroughs of New York City, and then out to Nassau County. And so I've been here in Nassau County since I've been 12. I'm 68 now. Okay. Wow. The majority of your life. Now, 
tell us a little bit. We're going to dig into the leadership and that kind of stuff here shortly. But tell us a little bit about your background, what you've been up to. I think you've got some years now in ministry. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, well, let's see. I was a musician, sort of counterculture, involved with a lot of bad, bad stuff, and became a believer when I was 20. So that would have been 1972. I was raised as um, sort of like a liberal, secular Jewish household, have maintained my Jewish identity as a believer. Our fellowship began with three young couples eating with each other and praying with each other and studying with each other. We ended up opening up the doors to anyone who wanted to be with us. And so over the years, we've gone up in attendance and gone down in attendance. And we're a small fellowship this time. However, I'm happy to say there is a great deal of love and spiritual maturity and ministry that's going on both within our fellowship and through it. And so that's basically what's going on here in this time of this lockdown because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. We have been making full use of Zoom and meeting for prayer six days a week. I got locked into, uh, Scott, I got locked into doing Facebook Live for sermons because a couple of, about three weekends ago, Zoom stopped working on Sundays. And so we scrambled. I did that. <laughs> and it's not a, a medium with which I feel comfortable, but I've been encouraged to continue to do it. So that's what we're doing. And, and you know, continuing to work with, a, I have a parachurch ministry called the Love of God Project. Our fellowship's name is Restoration Fellowship, Love of God Project. We have been doing, you know, education and seminars in regards to the love of God. And we've printed three books. The first one is named God's True Love, which is used as a textbook uh, for the Fire School of Ministry under Dr. Michael Brown's auspices mm. in the Charlotte area, now online through God TV. And that is about the nature of God's love and the nature of God's love for all humanity. And then I ended up writing a book. Really, I was sort of dragged across the finish line with this. I had already trashed it. And a close friend said, no, let's do this book. And it, the book is called For the Sake of the Fathers, which is a New Testament view of God's love for the Jewish people. And the reason for that was because in God's true love, we use God's interaction with the Jewish people as a, a template, oftentimes as an example, a metaphor mm. for God's love for all of humanity and every human being. And I was challenged, well, is God's love for the Jewish people merely a metaphor or is there something substantial there? And so I did write this book and it's been effective and useful. And the most recent book, which we're going to be talking about, is entitled Leaders Do Unto Others, Brief Meditations on Leading and Learning and Loving. And that was named, that, that was titled by my dear friend Charles Simpson, who uh, mm. is just a remarkable, remarkable brother and Assemblies of God pastor who works in Teen Challenge in, as well as a church plant here in Brooklyn and Queens. Mm. And so he helped me with this book. 
and got it onto Amazon. And wow. his help has been invaluable and his encouragement meaningful. He's really a good man. And so he said, I don't like your title, name it this. And I was like, whatever you say, Charles, I trust <laughs> you, Charles. <laughs> well, it sounds like a good title to me. So, you know, it sounds like he knew what he was thinking there and it was helpful input at the time. Obviously, this is the Leadership Moment podcast. So happy to be on here and talk about some of the some of the highlights. Obviously, we'll want to direct folks to your book and you know, give them a chance to dig in. In this particular time, we want to do what we can to whet the appetite. So it'd be really good to find out a little bit more about that. What was your inspiration? It sounds like you've written on a few different subjects, which I'm super interested, especially in the second book you mentioned, in addition to anything leadership, I'm always reading on that. So I'll double back with you on the For the Sake of the Fathers book, but what inspired you or where did you get your motivation to write on the subject of leadership? I was asked to give a, a leadership seminar for some friends I'm connected with, uh, uh, the Love of God Project, not our congregation, but this parachurch ministry is affiliated with a Messianic Jewish apostolic network called Tikkun. And I was asked for their Northeast Regional Leadership Conference to teach on leadership. And so I was putting together some things I've written over the years on these matters. And I guess part of the reason that I wrote the book is because as I was praying, I felt sort of like a profound peace and almost like a sense of approval to write about these things and make them available. And so the title, Leaders Do Unto Others, has to do with a, an illumination that I received back in the very early 80s, most likely like 1982 or 83. I was struggling through trying to find my way in adapting an understanding, a biblical understanding of leadership, followership. There were a lot of issues concerning things like commitment and submission and authority. And I was really doing my absolute best to follow the Lord in these things and studying. Mm -hmm. Had a couple of bookshelves on pastoral theology. Uh, was going to conferences and listening to a multitude of cassettes. And finally, I was sort of like throwing my hands up in the air and saying, God, I really want the balance in this. Would you please help me? Show me what's going on. How should I be orienting myself? And what I thought and what I believe is that the Holy Spirit illuminated what the Lord Jesus said, which was that in the same way, you know, treat others the way that you would want to be treated. And it was like this light went on that as a leader, I should treat those who are following me in the same way that I would want to be treated if I was following someone. And that followers should follow somebody in the same way they would want to be followed if they were leading. And so this mm. little 
rule that the Lord gave, which is a call to spiritual, social, cultural, spiritual maturity, has been one of the things that I'm certainly not claiming. And oftentimes I forget about my goal. But in the background and how I have sought to orient my life by the mercy of God has been that I would treat those for uh, whom I am leading in a way that would reflect the type of consideration I would desire if I was following someone. And so that is what inspired Charles Simpson, who, by the way, is an author mm. and has written a great devotional commentary on the Gospel of John and also wrote about his relationship with David Wilkerson because Charles was the pastor of prayer at Times Square Church. Mm and had a, a deep discipleship relationship with uh, Brother Wilkerson. So when Charles, he cut to the chase, because I have like, there are like about 30 chapters, 30 short chapters here that can be used as a devotional. And, and Charles cut to the chase and said, leaders do unto others. Well, that's something which I believe that he was right. And it's a great challenge. And the book is sort of like, let me point something out which is in plain sight. And one of the things which I seek to point out is that the Lord Jesus commanded us to love one another as he loves us. And Scott, in my early years as a believer in the discipleship courses that I took or endured in what it is that I sought to teach others, <laughs> this was never stressed. Mm. Uh, commitment was stressed, doctrine was stressed, coming into your gifts was stressed, having an understanding of the word was stressed. All of these things were stressed. And the activities that love should produce oftentimes were stressed in what was called the, in the circles I was with, the one another's. But the problem with this is that it is possible to act lovingly without actually loving people. So that Paul said, you can give it all away, you can die a martyr's death, but if you don't have love, it doesn't count for all that much. And so all of these, what's the word? Like 1 Corinthians 13 is a description and not a prescription. We read it like, if you be patient, now you're loving. I've gone into restaurants or car dealerships where people are patient with me, but it has absolutely nothing to do with their love. The reality is that people can act patiently, act kindly, without having love as the motivation. And to the degree that we love people or love an individual, we will be patient with them. To the degree that we love people, we will be kind to them. But being patient and being kind is not the same thing as love. And Paul was making that point when he made those incredible statements like, you can give all of your wealth away to take care of people who are in need. But if you don't have the heart, the love which we should be producing that, and instead you're going for the appearance of it, there's something that's wrong there. And so I try to address these issues of motivation 
And I really believe that this book will be effective in helping people to grow in their relationship with the Lord and in their relationship with who they are and in relationship ultimately with those that they lead. So that's basically the book. Thank you for joining Scott with today's Leadership Moment. We hope you've apprehended an inspirational nugget or two that, when activated in your own life, will be imparted into those you lead. You may contact Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit fxmissions.com to learn more about how you can grow your own leadership and engage in missions. Until next time, good day, everyone.